This ain't our first audio. So, Tico, tell us a little bit about, about London. Give us your experiences so far. So, it's my second time in London. I actually had a very good... I love London. Uh, this time, I like it a lot more. I know last weekend, I asked you what's so special about London and Christmas, but I see it. Uh, I'm not that big on the whole, like, uh, Christmas spirit, all of that stuff, but it's lights everywhere, very festive. Uh, the city is beautiful. Um, spring a little, little bit, which I enjoyed it because I feel like that's part of the London experience. Uh, but it is lights everywhere, beautiful. There's not too many people, but a fair amount of people on the street, so it's not empty. Um, I'm having a blast. I saw a lot of that wanker just here at the game. Um, I'm actually, you, man. How the atmosphere is completely different. Like, I've been to games out here, don't get me wrong, LAFC, they got a great one section and everything, and I, I've been to Galaxy and all that, but there's nothing like it, doesn't even matter if it's not even Premiership lower league the experience of the crowd over there is completely different like how's the game experience compare like kind of what enzo was saying just you know so i've been to the lafc game uh the ultra section behind the uh one of the goalkeepers it's amazing they sing non-stop it's amazing but that stadium holds about twenty thousand people mm-hmm. okay top of the stadium holds about like 60 60 plus mm-hmm. not on mtc um, the fans were good, uh, although the ultras were not as like frantic. They were doing their drum singing, but not a lot of flag waving and none of that. Um, no, it's very American. Yeah, Villa fans traveled well. Villa fans traveled well. Well, well, what you got to remember too is England's a small place. Like MLS is a smaller, smaller league, but it's spread out. So again, away fans to travel is even harder. I think that's one of the big, big points. Whereas in England, it's such a small country, everyone travels. But yeah, going in there, uh, stadium was beautiful. Um, t- a lot of, I was surprised. It seemed like there was a lot of tourists that came to the Tottenham Stadium. And um, a lot of that, I think, has to do with sun because there was a large Asian population at the stadium. And they love sun. So so I love that you went to one of the newest stadiums in England and you went to one of the oldest, well, the newest stadium in London and the oldest stadium in London, which is a great, great experience in my opinion. Honestly, like something about the history of Fulham Stadium, something about uh-huh. that, I, getting through the doors, I'm I'm like 6'1", I'm not that big. It's it's the same with as me. I had to kind of go in sideways. Um, the doors, maybe like 6'4", 6'3", people couldn't get in. Once you get in, you're right at the stadium away. Uh, they had a small trophy case, uh, which some European clubs, some league titles. I didn't didn't see any of that in uh, Tottenham Stadium. But anywhere you sit in the Fulham Stadium at Clarendon uh, Cottage, you have a great view because of the size of it. Uh, mm. And the Wolves fans transfer were uh, great. Uh, there was a lot of Wolves fans. And I was sitting row four. You see the players' reaction. I, I've never been that close to a game. And it was amazing to see. Although I prefer sitting maybe like 10 rows high, so you have a better view of everything. But just seeing this physicality, the speed of the game up close makes you realize it's like, it's intense. In sitting uh, so close, there was a lot of like Fulham fans, obviously, you know, the community going there. A lot of fans that were like on the older side. So they, you know, they've been there for such a long time and hearing like an, someone who's like my granddad's age yelling at you wanker and stuff like that. It's just hilarious. It's amazing. Well, that sounds really fun. I'm being an I'll be doing that in April. Don't worry. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Draft Offsides. I'm with Tico and Enzo. My name is Keith. Getting close to 20, guys. I'm really impressed with us. We haven't missed a week. It was very good. We're, we're being very consistent. Very, because it's the you know, most consistent thing in my life right now. I, I, I agree. <laughs> uh, so to start off, I was just kicking off with Southern Dads. Tico's traveling, so I kind of took over picking up the guys. And um, man, there's so many names on these lists. It was hard for me to narrow it down. You know, there's so many high scoring players. It's not my teams this week. Fuck you know. <laughs> you know what's really sad is that I had two of the top three high scoring players in our league and still lost. So to kick it off, I'm going to start off with the high scoring player of the week, Marcus Tavernier from Bournemouth. Two goals, three one win over um, Sheffield. What do you guys think of that? So it's his first two goals of the season in the Prem. You guys, is that someone you're like interested in or you're jumping on if he's on waivers? Me, yeah, because I need somebody. But it's it's <laughs> you know it's honestly one game. We've said this before. We said it many times. This is only one game. Is he? And he, it was again, again. It's against Sheffield. They haven't like, got the best record, and Bournemouth isn't that far behind them. So Bournemouth being them. They're not going to beat that many other teams this season, I don't feel. 
Yeah, I'm not jumping on just because of the team he plays for. This, I don't think this is a one-off. Uh, until the, he plays another crappy team, then might be worth a spot start. Yeah, I almost feel like it's actually less about him being on Bournemouth and more about him just playing in Sheffield. Like, I think Bournemouth actually is starting to be in an echelon of like Fulham and Forest a little bit, maybe just slightly underneath them. But I think like the Sheffield is, is like just way beneath that. And so I think that was partially they, that whole that whole front three. But I, I fully agree. He's not someone I'm necessarily jumping on to, but hell of a week, 37.5 points. Can't really beat that. No. The second guy, the, the, there are only two players over 30 this week. The second one was uh, Morgan Gibbs-White with 35 points. Got an assist and a PK goal. Fun, nice to kind of see some results from him. Was, you know, I think the underlying numbers have looked really good for a while, but he just hadn't really put it to fruition. So made me feel good because I haven't been all that week. Good player. Good bloody player. He's one if you got him, keep him all day, start every week. Yeah, you just said forget. I think that it's a bummer with a Wony out. It's at least for a month, potentially longer. I yeah. so I have a Wony, and it said that he might be out until late January, early February. So that's a big hit. Um, he got knocked up in the international break. Uh, it was the great same injury. They say they rushed him back. So it's I traded for him. It sucks that he's down, but uh, Morgan Gibbs is going to take advantage of it. So it's someone if you have him, uh, definitely stash him. Might even want to sell high keys if he has another good game. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I'm pretty committed to Morgan Gibbs White just emotionally more so than anything else. But, but yeah, so he's a good one. And then the third one I have, I have on the list is someone that we were talking some mad shit on last week. Uh, Jao Pedro. I think he had like 25 something points. Two goals. He came off the bench to score both the goals too. What do you guys think about Jao Pedro? I think he's back on like do not drop in, in, in if you dropped him last week. The list, you know, pretty much act opposite of what we were saying. Again, he's come off the bench, was it? Those were his second and third goals of the season since I think the second game of the season. Again, I think Ferguson started ahead of him this game. Didn't he get a goal? He didn't. So, you know, I know he came off the bench, but he also just, it was a, it was a nice finish on one, but it was a penalty on the other. So it's, it's still hit or miss. Again, if, if you've got a good team and your, your starting 11 is great, you can have him on your bench. But if you've got nothing there, nothing there, you need, and you need a spot. I still think about maybe, tra maybe trade him now because of the value you might get from this game. But besides that, I wouldn't start him. I think that's the move too. Probably trying to offload him. I think the but the one thing just to keep note is that if Anthony Fatty went down as well, the Brighton's really thin up there, and so you think he's going to get the time. I just feel like he, unless he's scoring goals, he's not contributing a lot. You know, I don't think he's this, the type of guy that's creating a lot for other players and like getting all these ghost points and doing all these things that like you know like Morgan quite does. So he's still a little. Yeah, I think I think Enzo's on the right track, but trying to maybe trade him get get rid of him. Okay, a couple honorable mentions. Pascal Gross with two assists. I think he was in the high 20s. I think 27 or something like that. Andre Onana, you know, we got we to gotta be honest where it is. He scored like 25-something points. I think he's one of the highest-ranking goalkeepers, if not the highest-ranking first overall. So we were kind of like, uh, we we were right initially about that one, that it was going to take us a time to adjust. But he seems to be adjusting, and United squeaking out those wins. So just got to acknowledge that. And the other one on here is Muhammad Kudus uh, got an assist, and then he got uh, like and he got for points wise he got a second assist, but I don't think it technically counts because it was an own goal. But he created both the the chances for West Ham's goals. Um, he's really starting to look like like the guy that you know all the hype was building up around him about. And he kind of I think Moyes did a good job of like slowly easing him into the team, and now I bet you he's one of the top guys on the team sheet, especially with Bowen out and Mikel Antonio out as well. Someone to keep an eye on. Okay, moving over to Duds. Vitaly Nikolenko had been on absolute tear, scored plus 10 for the last like three weeks, and has been a dominant. Had a pretty good season all, all the way through. Finally had a bad game with a negative five. Three goals conceded. He got dispossessed twice. I don't think he did anything particularly wrong. I think it's going to be interesting to see the Everton players' mindset as well. Um, I know a lot of us, uh, I know Keith, uh, we thought that, actually the 10 point deduction that Everton's going to come out with the fire and we thought it might be an up upset and Everton might come out as the winner, but it looks like they fell flat and it's something to monitor because now they're desperate. They're bottom three. So I don't think it's going to be a really good performance, but uh, Everton cannot afford to lose a lot, uh, drop a lot of points. Yeah, we definitely got that, got that a little wrong. I thought they were going to be able to fight a little more. I think that goal just took the wind out of that game. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Good nacho, that was a, a goal of the season so far. You can have that goal go against you in the first three minutes. 
just got to take the wind out yourselves. So, um, you got to remember, they had more shots than Man United in this game. They had more on target than Man United in this game. They just didn't put them away. That's, it is a red flag, but it also shows some promise. At least they're, they're showing some fight. I st I still, I'm still sure everyone will get out of the relegation. Yeah, I also feel like that was another reason why Onana's uh, point total was so high. I mean, he had how many saves he had. So that was why Onana did so well. But like that, that's indicative of the fact that United let a lot of chances happen and Everton created a lot of chances. They just couldn't put it away. But I'm not, I'm not super stressed with Michelangelo. I still think he's super important to that team. He was still getting pretty high up the field. So he's kind of a nice surprise defensive package. And maybe, you know, maybe someone you can negotiate a trade from someone now who thinks that Everton are cooked. But I don't think that we're those people. Um, no. Next on the list, Gabriel Martinelli. Disappointing three points. You know, I think that that's someone you're expecting to perform at a better level. But when you were when we were watching, when I was watching him, it just felt like he wasn't dribbling at people. He was he was getting double teamed a lot. He just didn't really seem like he had that kind of spark, that creativity that makes that's made him so like dangerous in the last you know eighteen months. So that was a little alarming to me. I felt like once. Uh. Well, Brentford play far in the back again, man. They do that against all the top teams. So they're gonna double team every time. They double team Saka too, but Saka was still able to get an assist away. It just wasn't his game. Um, he's gonna have loads of opportunities throughout the season to uh, show his worth. Yeah, I think the fear with him is that it's just it's been a few games. There's just it hasn't been at the level that you're you're hoping for. It just hasn't been that consistent. And when he doesn't, when he he's not consistent, he doesn't contribute at any point. It's been pretty bad. I mean, I think I mean, where is like point wise, he's been okay. Like you know, the last four games, it's been 13, 18, 13, 3. But in that time, no goals, no assists. So he's relying on all the other, you know, those process dribbles. Yeah, yeah, the, those other kind of metrics, those ghost metrics. And I think that it's starting to get alarming that he's not getting those like big big point scoring happenings you know it's been one two three four it's been six games since he last got a goal eight games since the last he last got an assist so just a little i mean a little something to keep your eyes on next on the list dominic slobosly we we were kind of talking the other week how we start we're starting to think he's one of the best midfielders in the league but it's another week where he was pretty underwhelming i think he only had two points this week i just feel like a midfielder like this that is on that highest highest caliber should be have a higher higher floor you're hoping that like seven's about the minimum that like, he's gonna be yeah there. like seven eight points at the worst you should be like guaranteed yeah. by him so it's yeah this point of steam have so many uh such low point outputs like you mentioned this been a couple of weeks now but his floor shouldn't be higher especially with the talent around him the passes he's making um and on that team um the two two three points is very disappointing you think he's you think he's getting tired because of all the games he's playing because he's been playing in Europe every week. Is it? I think he's tired every game. I think he's getting a little burnout. I mean, I, I doubt it helps. It might also be that teams are kind of figuring out like the position that, that he was in, you know, and how to kind of nullify that a little bit. Because that happens a lot too when you guys come to the mm -hmm. league and they look good for a few weeks, and then teams kind of just watch the tapes and figure out kind of how to fill the spaces that they're occupying. Might be a combo of those things. I still think he's a solid player. I'm not. You know, trying. I'm not recommending getting rid of him. I just think that he might not might take him a little bit longer to get into that like upper tier if he ever does. All right, moving on. Game recap. First game start start of the week was that 4:30 a.m. game. Enzo, you woke up for this? Yeah, I fell asleep during it. Oh my no way! <laughs> really? Yeah, it wasn't the best game I've ever seen. Perfectly honest. Both teams seem to be very cautious. I think that might be another reason why it's like might has such low points in this game because it's such a big game for both these teams. It, it started off slow and. It carried on, yeah. They got the got they got it was one one. There was two goals, but that was a what a late goal from Trent uh, to save the day. But even Harlem seemed a little bit, a little bit off. So, but I want to say anything against Harlem. He'll probably score three goals in the next game. Perfectly honest. But it, I did get the feeling from this game that both teams were playing not to lose. Usually, mm -hmm. when you, if you're City, if you're up one zero, you don't kind of like you don't you keep on putting on the pressure. You keep attacking. In this game, um, I thought Liverpool would win this game. I was, I was also hoping they would win this game, and the last thing I wanted was a tie. But it just kind of the game kind of seemed off. I don't know if it was because the first game back after the international break, or if there was a lot of uh, at stake for the uh, on the line for this match. You know, there were essentially the game was for top of the league, um, and I also mm. thought we would see more goals uh, with all that attacking firepower they have with those midfielders. Finishing one one was kind of low scoring and uh, not as entertaining exciting of a game i thought it would be yeah yeah i think the goals were a little bit of a disappointment but um i mean it's, it's also it's trent's first goal of the season 
He's only had one assist this season. He's been pretty underwhelming, to be honest with you guys, throughout the season so far. Considering where he where he went in drafts and considering where tri what Trippier's done and where he went in drafts, I think it's been. I think people are. I think that shift has finally happened. Where you got to recognize that Trippier is the more dominant uh, player from a fantasy perspective. Trump was injured, also. Um, I agree. I think he should have more goal contributions um, and more, you know, assists and goals. But at the end of the day, he's still a great player who puts in a lot of crosses into that box. He's still getting points. It's just about a matter of time, in my opinion. It, it seems like this season, and I don't know if this is just what I think is happening, if the numbers support this or not, but it seems like for Liverpool, the assists have been coming from just the attacking players as well. Like, I know Salah has a lot of assists, Nunes, Diaz, all of those. And the, from the midfielders, they're not getting a lot of service. It's They're just kind of defending it, getting the ball up to them in the front three, four are the ones who are kind of putting on the finishing touches on that, uh, on the product. That's what it seems like. I'm not sure if the numbers back it up or not, but that's the feel I've been getting from Liverpool this year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you look at it, Salah's got six assists in 13 games, four assists for Nunes in 12, and the only other one next to him is Jota with one. So yeah, probably right there. Do you guys, I feel like City is more disappointed with this draw than Liverpool is. Liverpool's hopper here, you know, at the at the ad. But do you, do you feel like your opinion of Liverpool has changed at all after this game? No. Not in my opinion. I think they're still a great team. I feel that they're the ones who are going to be challenged. I know Arsenal's on top right now, um, but I think they're the ones who are going to be pushing C to the very end. Over Arsenal, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move on. West Ham to Burnley 1. Kind of mentioned it, but kudos with two assists. Um, and then Suchak getting a goal. He scored like 8 and 10 or something like that, 9 and 12, or something crazy just in his... Not not all just in the league, but in uh in all their in all West Ham's matches, he's like on a like a crazy scoring run right now, which is it's funny because you think of him as like a midfielder that gets a few goals here and there, but it's like he's on a different level. And then Burnley in general, just not great. I don't know what else much to, else to talk about on the Burnley side. They gotta stop playing out from the back, man. They gotta stop that. I know that's what company wants, but they gotta stop playing out from the back. That's killing them. That's what's killing them. Yeah, I'm not interested in anyone over there. Coley Osho, again, like, looks so not good. Like, I really like that guy. I really like Coley Osho as a player, but you can't really trust anyone on that team right now. Um, anyone, anyone West Ham related? It was interesting. Danny Ings got the start. Antonio's out. Antonio's out, yeah. Something to keep an eye on. I'm not sure if that's someone you would want to pick up, but it's definitely it's an option. All right, moving on. Next game, Luton 2, Crystal Palace 1. This is probably one of the Whoa. big upsets of the week. Um, I mm -hmm. kind of need to apologize to everyone for talking about uh, Crystal Palace's defense being good for the last, like, three weeks, and they just haven't been. <laughs> I think I need to finally just, like, acknowledge that they're not as good as I wanted them to be. <laughs> Didn't, like, last sorry. week, as we're finishing the podcast, you said one last thing, start everyone like Crystal Palace defense. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, you Hatters. Very happy for Luton Town. Would not uh, play anyone on that team, but very happy for that. <laughs> was that that was their first win, right? Uh, second. second. Yeah, second win. Uh, they're out of relegation now. I think they're fourth or fifth from the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, they're out of relegation. They were, yeah. Other than that, the Elise goal was pretty sensational. That dude is good. He's very good. You forget how good he was because he hasn't played all season, you know? Yeah, I think this mm -hmm. is his first start. And then the big concern is that Eze injury. Uh, Eze, do you have any so. info on that? No, I just think I think he just re re uh, reaggravated, redid it. Yeah, reaggravated that injury. Yeah, before. <sighs> so my trade started to look even looking shit. But at least you have Jack. It is what it is. <laughs> I, go, I gotta drop him I gotta drop him I gotta fucking drop him no don't drop I Jack tried trading Rich. him don't drop I tried yeah. trading him to like three people and they were all just well no 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 I'll give you my worst player for him who's your worst player I'll give you uh, a one is injured we'll talk later um, is there anything else we really want to cover in this game I feel like that's pretty much it pretty much that's it. pretty much it alright the next game Newcastle 4 Chelsea 1 um, according to P P Poch Chelsea's worst game of the season Reese James with two bad yellows, one for I think either descent or kicking the ball, and the other one for like a, just a needless foul. Thiago Silva's worst game as a blue, or pretty close to it. Um, I thought that even with all that being said, and with how bad Chelsea's defense was, I still felt like that they were in that game up until Thiago Silva literally just handed Newcastle that goal, the third one. Even after that second goal for Newcastle, so like okay, Chelsea has a chance to to score here, but 
you know, after that third one and the way Chelsea's defense just looked so bad, it just wasn't going to happen. Yeah, young. it's a young team that's just, I don't think they're just lacking a little bit of backbone. So we'll see. I think that, yeah. that needs to improve. I think I sent you guys and, the stat I saw. Reese James has now played three games in a row since 2021. Yep. And it's not going to happen in 2023, like the calendar nope. year. So it's... He's another one that you've drafted quite high and has not delivered the goods. I know he was injured for quite a bit, but even when he's come back. <sighs> I mean, he's had <sighs> one game maybe when he was healthy, when he played a full, a full game. It's... And it was like the 4-4 dry against, what did they play against 4-4 uh, City? Yeah. No, it was a Tottenham game. No, it's 4-1. It's 4-4 against. Yeah, but he's been, I thought no, he was been good that, in both those games. I thought he was decent. He was good. At, he, was, he was great in the Tottenham game. He, he was, he, great, was yeah. he didn't have a lot of fantasy points in the uh, other one he did. But he he means so much to that team. Obviously, he's the captain when he brings a lot on the defensive end and also on the attacking end. Uh, but... You, at this point, you kind of feel for him. This guy just can't catch a break. It's either uh, just dumb yellows in the descent and just getting injuries left and right. A little crazy, but it's what it is. I think uh, people are kind of jumping on the Mark Cucurella hype train, but I think that's going to that's gonna run out of engine after this game too. I mean, there's not much to say other than that Chelsea just did not look very good. And Newcastle, I don't think Newcastle looked particularly great. I think their defense really shut them down and they had their moments, took advantage of some mistakes from Chelsea. They really took advantage of that on, of the Chelsea's right-hand side. I think they were kind of overwhelmed yeah. a little bit. That Sterling free kick was pretty sweet. That was kind of like the lone bright spot. It was a nice free kick. I think as a Sterling owner, you're feeling great because I didn't even know that was in the locker. You know, I didn't even know that was like a possibility. Yeah, let's see him do it again. Do it again next week, Sterling. I thought it was kind of funny. He had an op opportunity to take another one from a really similar position. And he gave it up to Reese James. Don't you feel like if you're like if you scored one, you're like you're, you're feeling it, or do you think it's like we did? I did it once, like. It's not he, happening again. He wanted to keep his percentage chance the conversion for stage. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on to the next game. Forest two, Brighton three. This was probably one of the most like exciting, the pretty exciting game, like high drama. Gibbs White and Alonga both score. They look like the pieces to, to own with Awoni out. What do you guys think? Is is Wood is he kind of even worth rostering with Awoni gone? Or is he is he kind of just one of those guys maybe pick, put on a bench, maybe not? I think he's probably getting picked up. No, I think he's worth rostering. You think he's worth rostering? He's worth rostering. Yeah, he's worth rostering. Uh, with Awoni out, they're going to need that piece where they can either bring him off you know, to bring a little bit of energy or, or even start him against teams where they do really bad against a, a, a really big striker like him. You know what I mean? Like, he can make himself a nuisance. I think he's a good alleyway right down the middle. You know, Alanga's going to come from the right. Giz Wise going to come from the middle or on the left. So, would be a good pickup, I feel. I think my one concern is with uh, Cal Mutsunodoy came back and played 30 minutes and then had an assist in this game, too. And I think before Cal Mutsunodoy got injured, they were trying out Cal Mutsunodoy on one side. Gibbs White on the other and Alanga through the middle. So I, I could see that happening in certain games and Wood coming in later, you know, when they need a goal or, you know, yeah. so that's a possibility too. But uh, Callum Hudson-Doy is someone to keep an eye on. Uh, Brighton's had a or forced out a few of these high-scoring games recently. So they're, 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 their players have been racking up some points. On the Brighton side, more injuries for Brighton. So Fati went down, Lamptey came back, and I was super excited because I was able to snag him off waivers and thought that was like a genius. And he scored one point and then got injured in like the 20th minute. That really sucked. Lewis Dunk got a red. So two yellows, I think for descent. It was like a really weird, kind of a foolish double yellow. It's been fucking going around, hasn't it? It's been fucking happening a lot this season. People have been real nasty. You can't even have any emotion anymore. It's getting ridiculous. And kind of as we said, Ja Pedro came off the bench for the injured Ansu Fati, scored two. I think Ja Pedro is, I kind of what we said last week, it's like if, you know, Ansu Fati was ahead of him in the pecking order, Ansu Fati... Ja Pedro could get dropped, but now that Enzo Fatty's potentially out, and Ja Pedro's kind of like last man standing. So I think he's worth mm -hmm. rostering and potentially starting, depending on who, the, who they're playing. And who knows if he takes advantage of those opportunities, he might be starting even when the, some of the players come back. He's going to get the opportunities. Absolutely. It doesn't feel like there's anyone on that team that's like safe, you know. But it was nice to see Pascal Gross in the middle again and not being in those that left back or right back position. Hopefully... This will, even though Lamptey's out now, like hopefully that they'll recognize that Pascal, how important Pascal Gross is to that team because having him high up the field is so important to them. Yeah, next game, Sheffield one, Bournemouth three. I thought the front four of Bournemouth looked really good in this game, but it's really hard to judge them when they're playing against a Sheffield team that we think is bad and I think might be worse than Luton and might just be the worst team in the division this year. You know, you could maybe pick up one of them, but not super excited about any of them. 
I mean, Sheffield looks like bad, bad. Archer, Hammer, also like maybes, but like even then, they're not players you're excited about by any means. Not at all. And then, I think we just move on then for this game. There's really not yep. much else to talk about. Okay, Brentford zero, Arsenal one. I, I feel like this was like a good example of like Arsenal suffering out a win. Like they just like, you know, they kind of suffered. Brentford made it uncomfortable for them, but they just like nicked it late. And it was, you know, don't get me wrong, it was, was who was it? Kai Havertz? Kai Havertz. Kai Havertz with Saka assist. Um, like, I wasn't, I wasn't sold, but they they got the win. I don't think they deserved it. They were attacking a lot, but it didn't look like they were coming. Brentford was holding out. I think Brentford had some really good chances too. It just didn't fold out for them. If it was a one a nil nil draw, would have been, would have been a one point each, which I think would have been deserved. Yeah, this game, uh, I thought Arsenal would dominate, score multiple goals, especially with Odegaard coming back. And they uh, they made a couple of lineup changes too. We we saw Trossard start uh, along with Martinelli, Jesus, and Saka. Uh, Tomiyasu started out as a drive back, so they put on they put out their A team. And I know Ramsdale had the mistake, and Rice had a couple of saves off the goal line. So, I mean, they kind of got lucky getting the three points over here, in my opinion. Especially with that last minute goal of Havertz of all people, you get the result. That's what counts the three points, but. Overall, I don't think any of their players put up a good fantasy numbers. We talked about Martinelli. I think just the defenders did because of the shout-out and the goalkeeper. But overall, I thought this was a disappointing result. Um, Jesus was back with Odegaard. I thought they would score more goals. Yeah, Odegaard, I think, only had five points. I don't think Trussard had much. So, yeah, pretty pretty low, low scoring from fantasy and, obviously, goals. Moving on to the next one. Tottenham Hotspur 1, Austin Villa 2. This game was as good as I thought it was going to be. And I feel like you guys thought it was going to be a worse game. But I, I thought it was pretty pretty awesome. And it was like the, they were both playing these crazy high lines. It was pretty entertaining as a neutral. As the only neutral in the room now because Tico's wearing a, a Tottenham scarf all of a sudden. And Getting chilly here. You got to put on my... Just one game and all of a sudden is a huge fan. It was a really good game. Um, I think you said it was going to be a good game. I thought it was going to be because of the way we played. But it was also because of the lineup we put out. I was completely surprised by the lineup. But I loved oh. the direction he was going. We didn't have a single center back out there. I was a little bit up, upset at Saar wasn't playing, not only because he's on one of my teams, but because I thought Saar's been playing well. I don't think he, sh he should have been taken out. Rodrigo had a really bright start till Cash did that nasty-ass tackle on him and he just hurt his ankle. Uh, luckily, it's not the uh, ACL again. Um, but really good game. I think that Lo Celso took his chance. We had, look, Son had a hat-trick of disallowed goals. It just seems to be... One goals. He had uh, four goals disallowed. Four goals disallowed. Um, Three offsides, one VAR. Yeah. Oof. So, you know what I mean? Like, we had the chances, and they were all close. Just like the one Villa had disallowed, the Watkins goal, they're very tight. It's very tight, and they're taking their time. But, um, yeah, it was a good game. I thought Gil played well, good as well. I thought Gil was pretty good for them. I thought mm -hmm. so, too. I thought he looked really good. I, he's looked much better than when I've seen him play in the past. He was looked a lot quicker, a lot more confident on the ball. He's definitely one to watch. I also got to, we got to give some love to Emmy Martinez. I think we were kind of saying he's not the best goalkeeper in the league. And I'm not sure if he is, but he made some great saves this game too. Against yeah, he did. We, but he, he, did, he did everything in his power to keep them from scoring yeah. this game. Even the post helped him a couple of times. So I'm a little alarming to see Diaby go off in the 46th in the, you know, at halftime. Mm -hmm. You're, as an owner, I'm hoping that's tactical, but I thought he was getting very frustrated and his body language was not good in the first half. He was throwing his hands up. He was getting very frustrated by what Tottenham were doing. Yeah, your doggy was so not giving him any joy. Was it not an injury substitute? I did not think so. Oh, I think oh. it was a tactical one. Okay. At the at the stadium, we thought it was a it was an injury substitution. No. Oh, interesting. Because it was oh. so, it was so early on in the first half. So well, he brought what uh what Tillemans and who was it? Uh, Leon um, Bailey. Bailey. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah, it was an injury. There's no there's no notes for injury on this. So. Tico, what was this? What was the vibe like when Villa scored that second? Was were people still pretty believing, or was was the atmosphere pretty down? Uh so the atmosphere got down because right after they scored the first goal uh, for Tottenham, uh, at the end of the first, they scored another goal that was disallowed, the Watkins goal that the VAR uh, brought it back. But uh, honestly, the whole time it felt like the fans believed, which. It says to me. It says something about Ange. I talked to a lot of fans around me. Everyone they love the team. Um, obviously, the injury sucked, but 
they believe in the team. It's a young core. They're passionate. They didn't give up. They stayed the whole game. And they were just yelling. Everyone was into the game. At no point was it quiet. At no point did they give up. So you had the feeling that uh, the fans were cheering them on. You thought they were putting in the balls in the box. You thought and they might get another one. It's just when you're looking at it from a neutral standpoint, like I am, you know, you take the passion out of it. Villa's making subs and then you see Tottenham, ha they have no one on the bench. They have no one to put on to help on the attacking. And eventually the players got tired. Son got tired. Kulusevski got tired. And you could sense it from the stadium as well. But overall, I it sucks you guys lost it in a week mostly because of injuries. But the fans believe that you guys have an amazing manager and the team plays an entertaining style of football. That I mean, if you're going to be bad, at least be bad this way. Yeah. Um, and obviously, <laughs> no, no, I agree. Yeah, I mean, they're not bad now. It's just injuries. But you just the vibe in the stadium. It was positive. Everyone was kind of, you know, like they're like, "Hey, we gave it our our all." No, that's what I, that's what I've heard from a lot of Tottenham fans. I listened to a couple of Tottenham podcasts. Is we're actually playing a style of football we like to watch. Aston Villa play the high line. We play a high line. You saw how attacking is. We want to see good attacking football and make chances. And we were creating chances. It just wasn't put in the back of the net. Could have held the post. You know, Poro had one saved by Martinez. Little half volley. It's entertaining. At least we're not sitting back, five in the back, one nil down like we were with Conti and Mourinho. You know what I mean? That's what it is. 100%. Yeah, if you're going to be bad, be bad with no center backs on the field, no holding midfielders on the yeah. field. And you when know. people saw the lineup, everyone was happy. Oh, yeah. Like, they everyone like, was happy. Yeah. 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 That's but awesome. I got to say, yeah. watching Douglas Lewis in person was something else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Should have seen that yeah. coming. He, he got an assist this game, too, yeah. huh? He got the assist. Wow, he is—he's uh, becoming a force. It's a great—he's—he's he's driving your team into a position where you're—you're uh, you're suddenly relevant. It's a great again. Uh, pushing position. for those top positions. Antico, I've won six in a row, five in a row. Antico's on fire right now. I'm losing every week, Keith. And you know who I'm playing next week? Are we playing each other? We're playing each other. Oh boy, oh boy, I'm gonna have to start looking at that. Start visualizing. My God, I fucking, my team sucks. Okay, next game. Everton 0, Manchester United 3. Goal of the season. I think it's going to be hard to beat that, huh? Garnacho in the third minute with that Dallow cross. And the, the, probably one of the best, uh, what do you call this? Overhead kicks? Bicycle kicks. Bicycle kicks. Bicycle kick? Yeah. I mean, that thing was, that, that was the, that was probably the cleanest bicycle kick I've ever seen in my life. Just like direct contact, like full extension, like the height he got up in the, the air. Form, yeah. That was crazy. I can't believe he did the Sue afterwards, though. It just, I get it was like a, what was it, like a... Homage. An homage to Ronaldo, but... Because Ronaldo's done that. I don't know how many times Ronaldo's done that, but he's done that several times. But it was a great... Especially from the angle where he took it from. Whew. To me, it was kind of crazy how similar it was to the Rooney's overhead kick. Uh but as of not, Ronaldo only has one bicycle kick goal, which is very surprising. No, he doesn't. One. Champions League against Juventus. But yeah. Everyone, yeah, against Juventus. Yeah. I yeah, thought he had funny. a couple. The Rooney one was good. Don't get wrong, because it was against Man City, but it came off his shin. It did. It wasn't, it wasn't as clean of a strike. Yeah. Yes. This was oh, a good yeah. strike. No, no, this was uh, perfect. It, it was an amazing goal. Goal of the season. SCB. Okay, other players. I thought it was interesting that Marcus Rashford got the pan off Bruno. To well, me, that was like they're trying to build some confidence with him. What do you think? That's exactly what Bruno said in his post-match uh, conference. He said, you know, attackers need goals and assists to, for their confidence. And he knew that Rashford won, so he gave it to Rashford. And also Pickford probably had all Bruno's uh, penalties on his little bowl. So putting Rashford there sure changed it up. That was pretty much <laughs> the nail in the coffin. But yeah, I think it's definitely a confidence booster. For, but after yeah. that, Rashford looked like he was tearing him up. Like he, had, he had the world on his shoulders. Bruno is just—he seems like he never lacks confidence. Uh, so I think that's what pretty much happened there. And for uh, Man U, Luke Shaw's back—that's a big deal. That's a really big deal for them. Um, I kind of, we talked about it earlier, but I also think like I'm not that afraid of my Everton guys though. I think they're still very viable and solid. I like we were saying how many opportunities they created. The reason Onana had so many points is because he had to make like seven saves or something like that. Like no. Everton was creating, and Everton had. There was a few moments where you just thought, man, they just needed to get that, like that thing to break right, that right moment to happen. And it just didn't quite, didn't quite happen for him, and then they kind of just spiraled out of the game. Yeah. Shout out to Minow, that the, the new, the young kid that got the start for United. I thought he looked really good. He made a goal, goal line saving clearance at one point when the game was so really tight. He's done. He did a lot. He was pretty impressive. I think. 
I think it's like very, it very much says something with like McTominay and this other kid in here, like these guys that have been there forever and they're playing so hard. And that's like, you kind of need that. And if you have a bunch of just like dudes that don't give a shit, you know, that are getting paid a lot, it just doesn't, you're, you know, you need, you need those, like, you need those hustle, hustle guys like that. Yeah. He's a good player, man. Well, he looked like a good player there. He's still young, but he would have been man of the match in my opinion, if it wasn't for that Ganacha goal. Ganacha got yeah. got man of match just because that goal is fucking ridiculous. But I still don't trust yeah. Ganacha. I'm sorry. I still don't trust no. him. Or Martial. Garnacho's only 19. Like, so he's going to be inconsistent. I mean, that's just that just comes with kids, people that age. And they're putting him on the, on the left side too. They're moving Rashford on the right for him. So the it shows that then how it has a lot of belief in him, a lot of faith in that uh, Garnacho. Or he's being stubborn. <laughs> Obviously, the def defense did well for them too. But yeah, Maguire just keeps on, keeps on. Proving everyone wrong, huh? Not really. Manu stopped him from getting another own goal, actually. Did you see that? But that one, the <laughs> shot would have been, uh -huh. it would have been a Maguire own goal. goal. So, yeah, so pretty funny. Okay, moving on to the next game. Fulham 3, Wolverhampton Wanderers 2. Tico, you were lucky enough to be at this game too at Craven Cottage. Do you have, do you have that scarf on too? Oh, you got a Fulham scarf as well. I love it. So now you're a Fulham fan. <laughs> Let's go, Fulham. <laughs> So uh, love it. the question here is: You were sending us photos of those seats. They look they're like they're like from the twenty. When I did re research, they, I, the section that I should sit in is the best. The front like five rows, they remodeled it, but the older ones, it's the wooden ones. I kind of wish I sat there, but that place looks so old, so creaky. It looks like it could kind of break down. But I think it's part of the charm. I it's uh, I it was a great experience. Their fans were unbelievable, uh, singing nonstop. Uh, Wolves Ham were also there. Obviously, they showed up well. They uh, they were nonstop cheering, jumping the whole game. Uh, we saw three penalties, which is rare. And old, uh, I think two of them went to VAR, and one of them was in the 94th minute. So everyone kind of knew if William converts the second penalty, or that's pretty much it. That's game. So he scored. Place went nuts. Overall, it was a great game, great experience. Top five goal. A lot nicer area too. Going there was a lot nicer. You get out, you walk by the river. There's a park. And the house is there. It's an amazing area. Whereas Tottenham, you get out, you would just literally want to get out of there. It's <laughs> <laughs> just go straight to Seven Sisters and get the hell out of there. Gotcha. So I actually wanted to uh, actually the Fulham game, which was interesting. Um, there was a pub, and I didn't want to wait for in line for the two because everyone's taking it off. So I was like, oh, let me go have a drink. And I had my scarf on. I buy a scarf every city I go to that their football club, just something I collect as souvenirs. On the sign, they had a sign, no home fans, away fans only. They would not let me in. So I'm like, I'll put the scarf away, but they wouldn't let me in. So I couldn't have a drink, uh, which was kind of interesting. It's down the street from the stadium. But William, honestly, on that team, William looks amazing. The fans loved Harry Wilson when he came on, man. They went crazy for that guy. Nero? Yeah. One of the players, man. I am. Yeah. There's probably a Chelsea pub you try to go into, so they don't. That's probably. Do you think it's that, sense. or do you think do you think it's something where it's like they need a a pub for all the away fans to go to, or else it becomes problematic? You know what I mean? I think that's what that's what it was because it's a away fans only. Yeah, and they'll come here in the front. Um, our boy Raul Jimenez, man, I don't think that guy like broke a sweat. He did nothing the entire game. Oh man, <laughs> poor guy. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side though Wong looked deadly as ever he had a few opportunities he hit the post one time you know, he ended up getting the goal obviously for the PK Cunha uh, looked solid as well those are the guys you want to have in that team Lamina looked alright but he's going to be banned for the next game for uh, yellow card issues I'm not super stoked on anyone else like Nori had to go off injured you know, do you guys care? Like, do you think, like, William's obviously rostered. Like, he should be on teams. But other than that, yeah. not much to it on that side. No, not too much to it. All right, those are the matches. I kind of wanted to get into next week. It's so nice that we don't have another um, international break until the new year. Mm -hmm. That means we got a solid month of, of games uninterrupted. Have you guys looked much at... Next week's games at all? Oh yeah, we're playing Man C. Gonna get my ass whooped. Yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been, oh, shit. I've been looking. Uh, I think Newcastle Man United is probably gonna be uh, the game of the game of the week. But there are some other good ones too. Chelsea Brighton that 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 has potential to be a good one. Uh, Forest Everton, bottom of the table teams uh, playing. But I think that's gonna be a good one too. I'm really interested. Yeah. In that one. I think um, Newcastle United Manchester United is gonna be interesting. 
more so to see what what Manchester United shows up. Are they going to show up as as the team that just won three zero against Everton, or are they going to be kind of like that wimpy little dog that gets beat up? Because sometimes you don't know which which Manchester United's going to show show. You know, I think, I think they lose against that team. Honestly, I think T, I think Tico said it last week. Anyone above them, they lose to, and anyone below them, they they show they show some face. But and they've been scraping by. Don't get me wrong, they beat Everton three nil, but. I think that first goal gave him a, a good push, and you know it's great to get the first goal again in that early. They they did show like some reminiscence of Man United of old, but I think Newcastle, Newcastle beats them. It won't be a rollover, but they'll beat him like two one three two. So you don't see another uh, Garnacho Golaza? No. Everyone put money on Garnacho to score because I've said that. <laughs> <laughs> I think some notes just like missing players Hoyland I think he's still going to be out or it's likely still going to be out Tika uh, I haven't looked at it but uh, I think he was a late game fitness test for this week so it's possible he might play uh, but honestly why would you if I was the manager I wouldn't make the change you scored three goals when was the last time United scored three goals and do you think you'd stick with Martial there I would stick with him, and then if he's helping enough for him on the last 20, 30 minutes, if you need, uh, need to. Um, but I, I would just put out the same lineup. Uh, Newcastle's also not that uh, healthy right now, so it's something that I value consistency in football and the roster, the way people play. So if it's working for you, you just put in three in the net, why would you make a lot of changes? And United defense has been pretty good lately. They haven't been letting in a lot of goals. Granted, they haven't played the best competition, but we talk about this all the time, taking care of business, which they have been doing. And it'd be interesting to see. I think it's going to be a good game. Newcastle got the much-needed win this week. Uh, they've been struggling kind of lately as well, so it should be a good one. Um, I'm looking at the table right now, and United is ahead of Newcastle. So my theory might not apply in this game. No, we'll see. It seems like Newcastle looks so much better when they had Isak in there, when they have that focal point. Without Callum Wilson or Isak, that team just looks like they, they just lack kind of direction. Yeah, Newcastle like, does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so that'll be good. good yeah. They could also play Anthony Gordon in his proper position where he's been much more effective than playing the up top. You think a little deeper? Is that his proper position? More on the or? more on more on the left side. Um I know yeah. one of the games where both of them were out, uh Isak and Wilson, they put him as the nine and he was not really that effective. Yeah. Oh totally. You're right. You're totally right. And then as far as the Manchester City Tottenham game. They said the Etihad, brother. That's just gonna be tough. It's going to be tough. tough we usually are the bogey team, but I don't see that happening in this game. Does the Etihad really make that much of a difference, or do the fans get that wild in? <laughs> and man, the Man City fans, all, all of them get really loud? Um, well, Liverpool was the first team to not let Manchester be in my home. In That's like true. A, a year and a bit. So 20-some 20, 20 games, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I think the Etihad and home does do a bit of... I think that's when a lot of teams, not all teams, but a lot of teams. Like when you went to, so like Arsenal back in the day when they had Highbury, like that was a different, completely different pitch. They had home, they had home advantage. You know what I mean? Like Craven Cottage, Fulham. How how compact that 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 stadium is. That's a different feel. You know what I mean? So I feel like home advantage, and you play there more than any other team. I feel. Okay, like so here's here's the question then. And so are you like you know you're obviously starting Son, but are you gonna like maybe not start like a Brendan Johnson, or like a Kulusevski? Against this team, because do you think they're going to get the ball? Do you, when you That's put that I mean, midfield yeah. when you put that midfield against that midfield? Don't get me wrong, Lascelles had a blinder. If Rodrigo was in there, I would probably think about all right, maybe we can control the game a little bit more. Basuma should be back, so that should be fine. We'll have Basuma back in the midfield, so he can boss it a little bit. But do you have that creative presence to hold the ball and move it along? Or are you going to have Hoiberg in there who's going to pass it backwards and sideways? So you feel like you would maybe consider, if you have better matchup options, to bench some of the Tottenham players that are, you know, the Brennan Johnson, Kulisevsky, that, that, in that range. Obviously, no, you're not benching Son. The only like one, there's only a couple I would start. So Poro, I would start just because of his attacking threat, not because he plays the right back. I play some because he, he can score a goal and he showed that and he's shown that all all, all season. And I wouldn't, I, I was, honestly, I still start Brennan Johnson. I start my front three. I wouldn't start too many people in my midfield and I start Poro because they get okay. they can get you points. Okay. What do you guys think about Chelsea versus Brighton? <laughs> Brighton, I think that was their first win in over a month on the Premier League. Chelsea's kind of been so Jekyll and Hyde with everything up and down. 
You know what? Are we are we thinking this is gonna be a high scoring game, low scoring game? I can't believe we're gonna say this. Ugh. Uh, uh, Chelsea's gonna Chelsea's gonna roll Brian, I got a feeling. You think it's because Brighton's a good it. team and Chelsea seems to Don't do well against good teams? Yeah, but that, then that and they've got they've got worries on, on their left back and right back, right? Um, right does. Yeah. But so does Chelsea. I mean oh, so Chelsea. suspended, Reese James suspended. Um, Gusto potentially injured, so I mean, this game could be a pretty like ha- like haberdashery, just kind of makeshift. Yeah, but I think Palmer could light something up. Sterling coming off that goal, and Cuckoo yeah. might be back, and Cuckoo might be back. Bench. You know, so I think Chelsea rocks them. This is gonna be high scoring uh, game. I just don't don't know which way to lean. Every time I've seen, I've been high in Chelsea, they let me down. And every time I'm low on Chelsea, they come out and they have an amazing game. So, so keep being low then, because I'm going to put a bet on that game. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I kind of feel the same way, Tico. I feel like I'd, I've never gotten my, uh, Nicholas, Nico Jackson. I have been in one of our leagues, and I don't think I've ever played him when he's scored goals. I, I think I've benched him every single time he scored, and I've played him every single time he hasn't scored. <laughs> Just about. It's pretty amazing. It's literally like a feat. Uh, well, I'm going to play you this week, Keith, and I have Nico Jackson in our league. Let me know on the other league. If you're going to bench him, then I'll start Nico Jackson here. Okay. The last thing I wanted to check out was Draft Society, which is like a fan tracks, draft DPL site. They came out with their top rankings, like for right now, for rest of season. So rest of season rankings from here moving forward. Really? So I wanted to kind of look over that with you guys and kind of discuss because in the top five, there's one I I disagree with quite a bit. And so are you guys looking at it? Who do you disagree with in that top five? So the first one on the list is pretty clear cut, yeah. Erling Holland. Number two, I just, I don't think, number two, they have Bruno Fernandez. I do not think he should be the number two ranked player anymore. I think with this season, he's been good, not great. I, I just feel like I'm I'm not really believing this. You know what I'm surprised about? Why is only Watkins ninth and Eberechi as a seventh? I fully agree with that. Too. To me, that doesn't make sense either. This is my thought process on Bruno Fernandez. For going top two, top three in the draft early in the year, it has been disappointing. So has Manchester United. The last couple of years, they've kind of turned it around in the second half, in the middle of the year towards the second half. And they've been putting a good string of games late, together lately. So maybe history repeats itself. Maybe that's the pattern they're seeing. That's the justification I would give. But Keith, where would you put Bruno? Would you put him outside the top five? Well, I just think about it like this. I would rather have Saka, Salah, and probably Kira Trippier over Bruno Fernandez. No. Oh, man, I might be going a little bit far, mate. I agree with the first two. I'd rather have Bakayo Saka and Salah ahead of Fern. Fernandez and maybe Fernandez goes fifth instead of Trippier. Okay, but even then, I I feel like those two. I think those two guys, just on form and on just what they've contributed this year, and deserve deserve to be in that spot personally. And then kind of moving down this list, so number three is so Erling Holland, Bruno Fernandez, three is Saka, four is Sala, five is Trippier. I was pretty surprised with Julian Alvarez as six, but I get it. But I just don't know. Yeah, I I think always- it's hard for me to put him. Six rest of the season when you don't know what's going to happen with when De Bruyne comes back, you know, and like you know, he, yeah. if he's going to be pushed outside and Foden doesn't play, or if he's going to kind of lose that spot, there's just there's just some unknown there. So I I would not have him six. I think Ebrecht Eze even before the injury, I think seven is pretty high for him as well. I think he's probably in like yeah. the twelve to fifteen range in my opinion. I agree, because you're going to put him above Jared Bowen. He's been going off. And Son, you know I mean? who's been, you know, pretty amazing. I don't have the list in front of me. Uh, where is Doku on that list? Doku is number 18. Really? I think I, they got James Madison 24. I think that one's pretty bad as well. I think the f- injury fear. Yeah, he's going to mi- miss some time. So would you rather have, I don't know, like someone else, I don't know, like Eze for 20-something games or Madison for like, 10 games, 13 games. But here's my argument to that. For this list, at least, Brian Bembo is ranked number 15th here, but he's going to go to AFCON and potentially miss four-plus games. That's about the same amount mm-hmm. that James Madison's going to miss with this injury, and he's ranked mm-hmm. almost 10 spaces behind them. Behind him, I don't think that's right. So I, I think that's a valid point, but I just don't think it's quite... Uh, I think that this... I don't know. I mean, that, that's the thing with rankings. That's the beauty of rankings, that it's pretty, they're pretty 
there's not there's not a right answer it's just everyone's opinion but that's where i that's where i very much differed on this list the other one i thought was interesting was rashford was i think he was like 39 i don't know where is uh Odegaard? that's someone else who's been a disappointing player who's been 23rd, a first round draft 23 ahead of james ahead of james madison by one dude jack Grealish is 33rd yeah i think it's silly to think jack Grealish is ahead of marcus rashford i think mm -hmm. yeah I, it's just you know but that's that's how it is i i also think like this changes week to week, right? Yeah. So, like, after that Olise goal, do you think that he goes up? I, after, like, Dwight McNeil at 30, to me, seems way too low. You know, he's maybe, you know. rest of the season, I understand that he can, he's probably only going to get better, but still, that's way too low to me. Yeah, that's question so, one for me. Anyone else that really stand out stand out on here for you? Because I think, I think the benefit of looking at this, too, is it gives you perspective on, like, potential trade targets. If there's someone, like, you value way higher than what they're valued here you know then you can maybe reach out and try and find a trade for, with a player that you have that's valued way better than you value yeah. him. you know what i mean so this is definitely something good to look at and to think about it's on draftsociety.com oh i'm trying to look looking down the list cole palmer at 44 that's interesting would you rather have cole palmer or michael lise I think I might have Lise. How about Cole Palmer or Muhammad Kudus? Cole Palmer. Cole Palmer, Cole right? Palmer. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Kudus is higher than Palmer though here. Kevin De Bruyne is on 49th. Get the fuck out of here. Who fucking <laughs> made this list, man? Connor Gallagher ahead of Kevin De Bruyne. I never see it. I thought I'd see the day. Get the fuck out of here. You got Alfie Doughty at 60. Crazy, isn't it? <laughs> I think that, I mean, that has to do with him coming up injury and just hoping that he's uh, that he's going to be healthy and just hoping that he's not going to re-injure. But still, I feel like that's too high for him. All right, I think let's kind of wrap it up there. My name is Keith. I'm with Tico and Enzo. This is episode 19 of Draft Off Sides. Like and subscribe. Leave a comment on the podcast app. Give us some love, and I will see you next week. Follow us on Draft Off Sides, Twitter and Instagram. Oh, guess what? Guess why I was late today? Why? Because they made me do a uh, microaggressions training today. Oh, no. Is that because is that you were... <laughs> did you hear that? Tika, did you hear that? Guess why Enzo was late today because he had to go through a microaggression training. Is that because you were being... You doing were a microaggression A lot of microaggressions in the workspace? Or no, was this a general? I guess it was a general one that I missed the three classes and I got in trouble for missing them. And I said, I don't need a microaggressions training. But obviously, I do. <laughs> I don't need a microaggressions training. My friend Keith uh, does it all the time. And... <laughs> Ask his wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Uh...